Get fast access to breaking news by signing up now to Black Press Media's free newsletters and stay informed with all the latest news delivered directly to your inbox. You'll have access on any device so you never have to miss out again on the information you need to know. NFL Report with Philip Wolf and Aaron Halaschuk is a Black Press Media podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the NFL Report. I'm Aaron Halaschuk, a journalist with Black Press Media. We are two weeks into the 2023 NFL season, and I'm joined today, as usual, with Vancouver Island Daily and Parksville Qualicum Beach News Editor Philip Wolf to discuss all things NFL and maybe even revise our Super Bowl picks. Welcome back to the podcast, Philip. Thanks, Aaron. So now that we have a few games under our belts, let's start with maybe what might be the biggest story so far this year, which is the Aaron Rodgers injury. Four plays into the very first game when he took the field for the Jets, he blew out his Achilles tendon. And at age 39, I know it has a lot of people questioning if it's not only a season-ending injury, but also a career-ending injury. What did you think when you saw that? I blame us for so giddily hoping that he struggled this year. So maybe that was... <laughs> I'll take full responsibility. Yes, it's, it's our fault. I think he'll come back. I don't think he wants to go out that way. He seems to take pretty good care of himself. There's even talk that he's using some sort of radical therapy so that yeah. he can come back before the season is over. I don't know how realistic that is, but it's, I guess, good for the Jets fans. But without him, they're hooped. So that brings up the next point. What do the Jets do at quarterback right now? Obviously, Zach Wilson is not going to be the long-term answer. At least I don't think he will be. Who do they turn to? Colin Kaepernick? Is that even an option? Not after seven years out of the yeah. game. I, I don't think. I just think that every time an opening comes up, his agent, which he should do, pops up and says, hey, don't forget my guy. But mm -hmm. uh, no, I, I don't think he was really that terrific at the end when he was finished anyway. It's really tough to say what they could do. They, they should probably make a trade. Mm -hmm. They're throwing their support behind Wilson. I know some CFL backers are pushing the Nathan Rourke agenda, yeah. but I don't think he's going to get him there. Their best bet might be trying to trade for a veteran like Jacoby Brissett or someone along those lines. I just think they're in trouble. doesn't matter how good your defense is. You still need a quarterback. Are there any trade targets out there that you think of? I did hear the same rumor to see maybe Nathan Rourke, but like you said, I don't think that's a possibility. I know the other day, their former backup to the backup, my CFL quarterback, Chris Strevler, was in Winnipeg and there were some rumors about him returning after injury and there was a whole Twitter campaign to try and get him re-signed back with the Jets. But I think you're right. Imagine being Robert Sala, the coach of that franchise, and you think you have this incredible quarterback in Aaron Rodgers, and you get literally two minutes of him on the field, and that's that. It's got to be demoralizing, and I'm sure coaches are used to this going through injuries, but how do you think he feels seeing what happened so far this year? I think the look on his face in the post-game presser said it all. Yeah. He may have said all the right things, but he immediately came out and just said, yep, Achilles, done. You have to move forward. But I think putting all their eggs in one basket like that just makes it really difficult. If I was targeting one player out there, I would go after Gardner Minshew in Indianapolis. He's really good. I think with that defense and with the way that he plays, 
that would be the guy that I would target. Didn't he finish his college career in Washington, right? Yeah, he, he was a cougar. He bounced all over the place, but whenever he plays well. He does yeah. play well, yeah. And I, the infamous I, I, mustache, I think, would do really well in New York. Oh, he'd become a cult hero. If there was one target, that's who I would chase. I think Zach Wilson, maybe one or two more games. If they keep losing, then the fans are going to turn on him and the season is going to be over. So I, I do think they need to do something in a hurry. Yeah, I think that's actually a really good pick. Just keeping with quarterbacks, and we touched on this a little bit before the podcast started, Dallas, they're off to a really impressive start so far. And this is the one year I didn't take Dak Prescott in my fantasy bowl or pick. And so, of course, I'm paying for it now. Do you think they are a little bit of a flash in the pan right now, or is this something that's sustainable long-term for the rest of the season? I think it's absolutely sustainable. If I know the listeners can't see it, but our producer Peter McCulley is probably beaming with pride. The Cowboys are his team. The two teams that have impressed me the most so far are Dallas and San Francisco. They're both complete teams. Both look very good. I know we made Super Bowl picks, but I do think it's a little bit early to crown anyone yet. But so far, I do think what's happening in Dallas is absolutely sustainable. I agree. And I think it's circling back to our previous conversation. I think it was during the last episode of the podcast talking about Brock Purdy. And then you had literally on the opposite coast, your first round of Zach Wilson. It's a tale of two teams, how the very last pick and arguably one of the first picks, this is how they're playing out. And I'm not a huge San Francisco fan, but I definitely wouldn't mind to see them doing well. Unfortunately, they're in the same division as the Seahawks. But if I had to pick a second team to cheer for, I think it would be San Francisco and they're showing it well. I think they're a very complete team. I find it interesting that people are already turning on Purdy because he missed a couple of deep throws. And they're like, look, see, see, we knew a quarterback, a lot of quarterbacking has to do with situation. You get placed in a lousy situation with the wrong head coach and you're going to struggle. We've seen endless examples of that. Purdy fell right into the exact perfect situation. If I had to revise my Super Bowl picks right now, I would push Philly back a little bit and say that Dallas and San Francisco are both slightly ahead. And I think you're right, especially thinking about the previous San Francisco quarterbacks within the last few years. I wouldn't take Garoppolo any day over what they have right now. So I think they're in a really strong position to move forward. I'm just keeping on the quarterback topic. Speaking of flukes or busts, we're not sure with the Buccaneers and Baker Mayfield. What do you make of him? He's an interesting one. He's a lower tier NFL starter, mm-hmm. Heisman Trophy winner and, and yeah. top draft pick. He takes too many chances. Mm-hmm. I don't think he'll ever learn. He's capable of excellent games. So far, he's had a couple of solid outings, but I wouldn't put any stock in him. They're in a lousy division. Yes. There's a chance that they might make the playoffs, but in terms of him ever reaching the upper tier, I don't think that's going to happen. How about you? Yeah, I'm the same way. I remember that one game contract that he signed with the Rams last year where he had that absolutely spectacular game and ended up winning for the team, but I'm the same way. I was never a huge fan of him. I think he's a space where his ego is just as maybe big as his arm. I'm not sure, even bigger, but I'm not 100% certain that he'll ever be a second or a first-rate quarterback for that matter. 
but it'll be interesting to see what he does with the Bucks. Like you said, I think he's got a bit of an advantage because it's not the strongest division. They're off to a pretty good start, so be curious to see where they go with that. My last quarterback here that I'll touch on is our favorite punching bag, Russell Wilson and the Broncos. That was a very painful game to see them lose this past Sunday. They're off at a 0-2 and two start. We might come back to him a little bit later when we talk about overreactions, but is there a chance for improvement or do you think that they are what they are and Sean Payton can't really help Russell Wilson and the team? I think Russell Wilson's played fine. He's certainly played like Russell Wilson. <laughs> Hail Mary, got the hero play at the end, all that kind of stuff. I just don't know that they're a very good team. And I also don't think that Russell Wilson is Sean Payton's guy. I think that will be the interesting dilemma for the team moving forward. Do they eat that fat contract? How do they move on with it? I just don't think he's Sean Payton's guy. I think we saw that when he came in at the beginning of the season and he was like, my way or the highway, quit kissing babies, all that stuff. I think Russell Wilson's played well. They're just not good. It's interesting that you say that because I think back to when he was with the Seahawks and I think Pete Carroll as a head coach gave him a lot more leeway and going back to what you said about situation matters. I think that was a perfect situation for him as a quarterback to really excel both on and off the field because Pete Carroll is a completely different coach than Sean Payton. And I don't know how those two will work. Obviously, professionally, I think it'll be fine. But when I read that at the beginning of the season, how Peyton came down with those rules, and obviously in the media it was implied that it was directed at Russell Wilson, don't know how he does with that sort of direction, especially at this stage in his career. Do you think this relationship between the head coach and Wilson, will it continue past this year? I think all of that was calculated, and it was probably mm -hmm. also cleared with Russell Wilson ahead of time. It's more for the team and the fans look, this is the way that we're going to do it. But I guarantee he sat down with Russell and said, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this and I'm going to say this. And just as a heads up, coaches and players, especially the team leaders, they've been known to do that in all sports. The hockey coaches will specifically yell at the captains so that everybody else will pick up their socks kind of thing. I just don't know that he's their guy. Like I said, he's not necessarily the type of quarterback that Sean Payton likes. They could have success because he's a really good coach and mm. Russell Wilson's a very good quarterback. But this year, I think they're in tough. And then the interesting part for me will come at the end of the year. What there is maybe a way for them to get out from under that. It'll be a lot of dead money for a couple of years. But especially if they, they keep struggling, then that talk will just get louder. Absolutely. We'll just end this segment with a non-quarterback player going back a little bit closer to home here with Tyler Lockett and the Seahawks. He was the key obviously to the overtime victory this past weekend, but he's been the key to their team for years and years. Do you think he's one of the more underrated receivers in the NFL? I think he always has been. He's not flashy like DK Metcalf. He just mm -hmm. puts up a thousand yards and, and 68 touchdowns every year. I think he was pretty quiet in their first game and that was a, a big reason why they lost, but they 100% need him. He's, he's like a safety valve for any quarterback, whether it be Russell Wilson or, or Geno Smith. He's definitely underrated. I, I don't think he's underrated among the players around the league. Mm. Probably being on the West Coast with that type of media focusing more on the Aaron Rodgers of the world back East. I do think he's underrated. It'll be interesting to see. I, I don't think they've been nearly as impressive in the first two games as I thought they might be. So I'm, I'm fascinated to watch them the rest of the way. How about you? 
Me too. In the same way, looking at the other receivers on the team, I'm curious to see how some of the rookies will do. DK Metcalf has always been a receiver with an asterisk next to his name for me. Obviously, his physicality is incredible and he puts up the numbers and he lives up to expectations. There's always been an element with him in terms of his temper or his reaction to plays that for me has always been a little bit of a red flag. And it really reared its ugly head the last game where he got a penalty for the way that he reacted after the play was over. And he's always had that. And I think that is unfortunately his one downside is his temper. And I know Pete Carroll brushes it off as he's emotional and he's passionate. But when it comes down to it, if it's a close game and it costs the team the victory or if it costs the team yards, at what point does passion and emotion come into losing a game? And I think if there's one thing that I never really liked about DK Metcalf, that was it. And I think all the props go to Tyler Lockett for that reason. And I think another reason why he's somewhat underrated in terms of whether it's media discussion or fantasy football is just his size. He's so short and so small for a receiver. And unfortunately, that always seems to play in as a factor. You see a lot of reaction. He never takes a hit. He's very smart. You watch him and rather than try to power through three people for two extra yards, He'll just sit down. He'll just kneel on the and he's he's preserving himself. But the, the way that the mentality is with football, some of the times, oh, how can you do that? How can you not fight for every yard? No, he's smart. He's just a fantastic player. I'm a big Tyler Lockett fan. Me too. Yeah, and I think like you said, it plays into that ability to be smart. That extra yard or two, and I've seen it with many receivers, including DK Metcalf, where that one extra yard results in a fumble. And I much rather have a player go down short of a first down or wherever it might be and keep the football rather than cost a fumble or a turnover. So I totally understand that. Let's just play a little game here, looking at some of the topics that we've covered, whether it's an overreaction or a reaction. I'm just going to throw out a statement and see what you think. Going back to the Broncos, the Broncos will move on from Russell Wilson and have a different quarterback in 2024. Overreaction or not an overreaction? Right now, I'd say it's an overreaction. Mm-hmm. Give me three more losses, and then it's bang on. The next few weeks will determine his fate, I would say. It's an awful lot of dead money to eat. I'll toss something back at you, mm-hmm. is if the Broncos lose their next two, do the Russell Wilson to New York rumors heat up? That is a very good possibility and something I never even thought about, but why not? I remember when... The Seahawks rumors trade started between the East Coast, especially in New York. I would say that is a possibility that may get stronger depending on the next couple of games. And for the Broncos, I believe that three out of the four games coming up on their schedule are away games. So it's not going to be an easy schedule for them. So definitely a distinct possibility. Do you see him going there? No, but it's fun to talk about. I like it. Okay. So the next one I've got here. Your team, the Dolphins, will win the AFC East. Overreaction or not an overreaction? That's not an overreaction. I think they'll be in it right to the end with Buffalo. After I watched Buffalo in week one, I thought, oh, this is great. They're going to struggle. But Josh Allen bounced back with a good game. Miami has the toughest schedule in the league, I believe, at the beginning of the year in terms of winning percentage. But they've started with two wins on the road. It all comes down to Tua's health. 
it really does. Yeah. I don't think it's an overreaction to say that they'll win the East. I don't fully trust Tua yet as a Dolphins fan. He can put up fantastic numbers, but we'll have to see if he can make it through an entire season. But no, definitely not an overreaction. I picked them at the beginning of the year to go to the Super Bowl just for fun. So if they can go to the Super Bowl, they can certainly win the AFC East. How about you? Yeah, I agree. I think I know we've talked about this before about Tua's health, whether he's healthy. I think they will be very impressive this year, right up there with Dallas. I don't think it's that much of an overreaction. So it would be really impressive to see them go all the way. This year, when I thought I snagged two great fantasy football quarterbacks, Joe Burrow and Josh Allen, my first two weeks have been pretty awful. But we'll see. Hopefully, things will pick up from there. Okay, so the last overreaction or not an overreaction I've got here is regret with Joe Burrow signing the five-year, was it almost $300 million contract extension with the Bengals. Any regret there? Overreaction or not an overreaction? I don't think there's any... It's an overreaction. I think he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. The problem is they almost all seem to get injured. Yeah. So giving them that much money, especially with the salary cap, that's what makes it tough. I don't think you regret for a second locking in Joe Burrow. He's been injured and he struggled early in the year. But over the course of that contract, he'll be fine. It's just Daniel Jones at $40 million, some issue with that. But the quarterbacks always get the the biggest share of the blame and the biggest share of the credit and the biggest share of, of the money pie. So I don't think that they regret that. The key is to trying to win when the quarterbacks are on their cheap contracts. Yes. That's the easiest thing to do. What do you think of Joe Burrow? The same way. One of the reasons why I picked him as my, I think it was my number one pick this year for fantasy was I think he's got what it takes even though they started the same way last year at an 0-2 record, they ended up doing extremely well last year. So I think if he can get his calf injury sorted out, whatever that might be, I agree. It's right now, I think it's too early to say that it's an overreaction. He is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. And as we could see easily, they're really hard to come by long-term. I think that was the smart way for the Bengals to go for sure. Who's your favorite 2-0 and team so far? I would have to say, I think my most surprising team and the one that maybe I'm rooting for is Miami. My favorite team, again, it kills me a little bit to say this inside, is San Francisco. How about yourself? Obviously, I'm glad that the Dolphins are 2-0. and <laughs> The team that I've been most impressed with is the Cowboys, like I said, right. the Cowboys and the 49ers. How about some 0-2 teams already out of it and some that might be able to crawl out of the hole? I'm surprised by the Vikings, I have to say. I am and I'm not, but looking at Cousins' career last year and some of the miracles that they pulled off and how well they really did, I thought they might have been off to a little bit of a stronger start, especially given I think this is his last contract year as well, but he is getting up there in age. That one surprised me a little bit. Chargers is probably another one. I think up in the sort of top-tier quarterbacks, I always thought really highly of Justin Herbert. Still lots of time to turn it around, but that one surprised me a little bit. How about you? In terms of surprises, I definitely agree that the Chargers are up there. I'm surprised that the Bengals are 0-2. We, yeah. we talked about Joe Burrow and his injury. If he stays injured, they might be in trouble. Yeah. In terms of teams that are already buried, I don't think it's any surprise that Carolina is struggling. Arizona almost won a game. They're going to be bottom feeders. I'm surprised that the Bears are just so terrible. What do you think of Justin Fields? 
When he first got drafted, I was really rooting for him. And I think more so because of the fact that he came from, I think it was a much smaller college. It was a Div 3 college, I think. And I just was hoping that he might have been better than he actually is. But after a couple of years in the NFL, I just don't quite think he has what it takes. What do you think of him? I don't think he's that great, but maybe that's not fair. I, I don't think that he's been that great. I think it's one of those situation things that we talk about. If you drop Brock Purdy, say, in Chicago with what they've got, he would be absolutely terrible. They tend to stay with these guys for too long. His record is is terrible. I really think that playing on a bad team for that long, you develop bad habits. It's really hard to to dig out from under. Sam Darnold playing on all those teams, yeah. bad teams forever. Maybe he goes into San Francisco in a better situation at some point. Maybe he gets better. But it's it's really tough for those young quarterbacks. And they just toss them all to the wolves now. They have to maximize the money. But Patrick Mahomes sat on the bench for an entire year behind Alex Smith. Yeah. Dan Marino didn't start till game 11 of his unbelievable career. I just really think that they draft these kids and the plan is just to toss them out there. I don't know. That's always the best thing. That's exactly right. Like even Jordan Love in Green Bay, it's the same situation. It's, and it's interesting. I, I can't remember if it was Kirk Cousins or if it was another quarterback. I want to think it was Cousins a few years ago was asked in the locker room when they had drafted another quarterback about his role in terms of mentoring the new quarterbacks coming up through the system. And I believe it was him that said, that's not my job. My job is to be the best quarterback I can be on the field. And I think it took a lot of people back because I think a lot of thought that is the role of the quarterback is to be there for those young up-and-comers that I think they're not going to take your job right away. But going back to what Pete Carroll always preaches, competition makes everybody better. And at the end of the day, I think that tenet still holds true. Cousins may have done that. I think Ryan Tannehill did that as well. I think Might have been Tannehill, yes. absolutely came out and said when they drafted Malik Willis, my job isn't to mentor him. That's Although inter interestingly, this year, he obviously wised up and they drafted Will Levis, I think it is. That's right. Yeah. And he, oh yeah, whatever Will needs, mm -hmm. I'll be there for him. Yeah. It was funny. The, the quarterbacks, they do feel threatened. I think Jordan Love, getting back to him, is a good example of why you should sit. Yes. He's come out and he's doing really well. It's the situation. You watch it. I think this year, if Zach Wilson was ever going to be anything with the Jets, I think a year of playing behind Aaron Rodgers, watching Aaron Rodgers, learning from Aaron Rodgers would have been the best thing ever. Now he's just tossed out there again and he's going to struggle and he'll probably be dismal forever. It's tough. That's exactly right. Now, now the last 0-2 team I was going to ask you about were the uh, the Patriots. In terms of their season, do they have a hope in turning it around? 0-17. Oh, 0-17. Oh, okay. I will throw one stat at you that the last time I believe a Bill Belichick coach team started 0-2, they ended up winning the Super Bowl. Does that mean anything? No, 0-17. Oh, so just last question here. Super Bowl picks, based on everything that we talked about, any change from the previous episode? Any new picks or you're still sticking with what you have? I'm sticking with my Dolphins. <laughs> I'm going to switch over to the 49ers this week. Ooh, I like that pick. Okay, I'm going to go a little bit rogue. I think I picked Philly. I did too. So I think I'm going to go, I might be dropping Philly a little bit. We'll see. I think I'm going to go, yeah, I think I'll do the 49ers as well. I mean, they're the team to beat. So yeah, we'll stick with them. 
What about on the other side? Oh boy. I'm going to say, you know what? I might try the Bengals. Let's see what they can do. Jake Browning leading the Bengals to the Super Bowl. <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> we'll have eight sets of picks or so to draw from. So we'll just pick the ones that were right. That's exactly it. Thanks so much, Philip. Always a pleasure. We will do this again in just a couple of weeks. Thanks, Aaron. NFL Report with Philip Wolf and Aaron Halluschuk is a Black Press Media podcast. CanadianEvergreen.com is your trusted news source for all things green, offering up-to-date news and stories from Canada's booming cannabis industry. Content you can trust from Black Press Media.